Oh, crap. I gotta, I gotta share my screen with you. Okay. Welcome to Witch Hat Chats, sponsored by Ever Moving We Rise Temple, the Laughing Soul Holistic Center, and the Moonlight Potions and Charms. I am your host, Lady Nikki Kirby, and your co-host is Lady Pamela Griffith. Please go to our Facebook page, which is Witch Chat Hats, and tell us what you think about our show, who would you like to see, and what topics you would like to obtain more information about. So as I said, my name is Lady Nikki Kirby. I'm also known as Solaris, but you can um, call me Nikki. Uh, let me forget. Forgot. Here we go. No more sharing. That's, nope, I don't want to share. <laughs> okay, here we go. Stop sharing. Okay. So anyway, my name is... My name is Lady Nikki Kirby. I'm also known as Solaris. You can call me Nikki. I am a third degree clergy and ordained priestess of the Corellian nativist tradition and the head of the ever moving We Rise Temple. So let me introduce you to a lady who knows her stuff and is an elder of the ever moving We Rise Temple, our co-host, Lady Pamela Griffith. Brightest blessings and welcome. My name is was said is Lady Pamela Griffith, Pam or Pixie. Um, please. I've been on the path for over 50 years and with the Crowley Nativist Church for nearly 20 years. I'm a third degree clergy and ordained priestess of the Crowley Nativist Tradition. I'm originally from Baltimore, but I moved to sunny Florida in 2015. I am a witch school mentor and my full bio is on their website. Uh, starting next week, the last 10 minutes, we'll be answering questions from you, our audience, and last week's show. If you have any questions, go to our Facebook page, Witch Hat Chats, and let us know. And Nikki, what's going on over at the EWR Temple? <laughs> oh, at the Ever Moving We Rise Temple. Yes, we're actually having a several different events at our temple that we're hosting online. One is the full moon ritual that is tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and it's on Zoom. And it's going to be led by our lady Pamela over there. And um, we're broadcasting it, so everybody's invited. And also on July 18th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we're doing what is called a red tent. And a red tent is for females to dive deep into the female mysteries. Uh, basically, there's no topic that's going to be too private for us, to, us ladies to discuss. 
And that will also be led by um, Lady Pam over here. And also we're accepting new members. So if you're interested, come to our website and fill out a form. We are teaching classes, including the Corellian Navis Tradition Degree Programs. So go on to the Ever Moving We Rise Facebook page and look under the events. And you can also find our website there and see what all we're doing. So uh, let me introduce our new guest that we've got on today. Our guest host is a visionary processing a vision of the future of paganism in the technological world. He is the founder of Psychic Services Incorporated, Psychic Chicago Magazine, and Telepathic Media Radio Show, and Pagans Tonight's Radio. He is the founder of the Pagans Interfaith Embassy. A third degree in the Corellian Nativist tradition, this person is a leader as he is a co-founder of the Witch School International and is the information officer of the Corellian Nativist I mean, Corellian Educational Ministries. He co-founded several Corellian temples, including the Universal Temple of Gaia and the Temple of Sulu, and created the Order of Palatins. As a founder of the Corellian Educational Ministries Broadcasting, or CEM for short, he is here to discuss and educate us about technopaganism. So I am proud to introduce my friend and my mentor, Sir Ed Hubble. That's very, thank you. That was very gracious of you to say all that stuff. I always, always am shocked when people try to read all that stuff. Um, thank you. I'm very glad to be on your first show here, uh, part of the CM Broadcasting. I'm looking forward to all of them. I know you're lining up really great guests and everything else. So thank you. You're welcome. That's an- <laughs> So, so, um, Sir Ed, what would you like to be called? Ed, just call me Ed. Ed. I tell everybody, just Ed. I'm, I'm simply at the end of the day, like everybody else, I'm just Ed. Okay, okay. So, um, Ed, tell me, what is technopaganism and how long has it existed? Okay, so this one's a little tricky because I'm actually now in the process of um, writing, writing all this down because, after all, in the old world paganism, you're not anybody if you don't have a book. Um, but so techno-paganism is using technology to express or to practice paganism. Um, how do you do your magic? How do you do various things? So you're using technology to express your religious faith. It's very simple. Um, we're probably getting a little bit beyond that. So people go, oh yeah. So basically techno-paganism really started, it joined when the internet started, that we were on the first, there were a lot of people who were on the first forums. AOL chat had uh, tea time, was in AOL chat rooms. We were all over that. Each step that we've grown in the pagan world, every growth in the technological world has been matched by pagans using, utilizing the service. Okay, so when um, your idea, or because you're a co-founder of Witch School International, uh, what was that like to actually start that um, online? So the story of Witch School is a very interesting one. Um, well, first of all, I always I caught, I casted a spell to try to figure out what we we're going to do. We started out with a daily spell, and it was an e-group where we sent out the lessons every day in 1998. We began to really send those out in big in droves. And for years, for like two, three years, we got people on it. 
we made one mistake in understanding our listing system because we started on one list. I don't know if anyone remembers that. Then it became e-groups, then it became Yahoo groups. But we started out really when the technology was brand new. And I probably owned 70 names at the time, like Daily Spell and Daily Tarot and Daily Runes. And we eventually focused down on two, Daily Goddess, which was really a newsletter that did really well with Abby Willerwood, the Goddess 2000 project. And she showed me that how to build an organization uh, globally. In 1999 to 2000, we had 65 countries and over 2,000 people involved simply because of uh, internet transmission. It was the largest event to that point, And I saw an avenue into it. So I casted a spell, uh, used an orange candle. The next day I went out to the bus, I saw a bus and had something called Phoenix University. Now today we know what Phoenix University is, but in 2000, it was like, what's that? It was an online college and you go, oh, that's what I need to do. And it took me over a year to find a programmer to work with me to build that site because everybody left. I mean, I even brought it to Crossroads where I had a, a whole group of people over on Zell and uh, so many great people that were involved in the community. And they, and when I told Oberon my idea, he belly laughed. I mean, not just a little laughed, they ridiculed me. They ripped me apart. Oberon laughed and said it was an, an outward idea. Rick, Rick and a bunch of them, Trema. And they just thought it was the most ridiculous idea they had ever heard. And that's, that's what mostly pagans have done across the board. And they continue to do that until they're forced to, to, to take it into space. Um, so I found a programmer. We programmed it. We had two classes, you know, the first degree. And uh, that started September 4th, a week before uh, 9-11. And we've been going on ever since. We've been, you know, committed to a uh, lifetime of education available to people whenever they want to. And you've been very, very successful at doing that as well. Um, it's um, arguable how successful I've been. I mean, I, I truthfully feel like we underachieved, but that's that's me. Well, you know what? We can always have um, big um, dreams and so, and so forth like that. But because do you credit Witch School International for the spread of the Corellian nativist tradition? I, I do. And uh, we're now in, we have temples in over 30 countries. We have literally hundreds of thousands of people who take, almost 300,000 people who take lessons or have taken lessons over the last 20 years. Um, we, uh, it was probably instrumental for the tradition to make alliances with other groups. We were represented at the Parliament of World Religions. I've been to every one of them. And uh, in 2000, the last one, we were able to do Wicca is a global religion and worked with other groups and we're able to have that defined because we did have a membership. One of the things that started with schools back in 1993 at the first problem of world religion, they, a lot of people said, oh, you pagans don't even have a right to be here. They're not even a real religion. And I basically asked, well, well what, is, what do you consider um, an acceptable level for these international interfaith conferences? You should have at least 100,000 followers. I said, all we do, he says, no, 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 nobody does in the pagan world. You all have your groups, but you don't act as a whole. There's no whole, there's no record. You can't prove to me you have 100,000 people. And that began the Pagan Interfaith Embassy you talked about and trying to coalesce it. And so the school gave us that opportunity. A recent, uh, a recent event, I don't know if you've heard of the Pagan Credit Union. They were trying to form, they were trying to form a Pagan Credit Union and they needed somebody to write a letter with at least 3,000 members. And almost nobody could re reach that level except us. And we sent them a letter and they've now progressed on to the next level. So 
numbers, while people say they're not important, are crucial in, in the sort of mechanical world we live in. You have to have enough, show that you represent more than one person or more than a small group. And, we, and with that, we were able to do a lot. We were able to do a lot of good. Okay, you're going to hear from the old school now. Um, way back in the day before the internet, we did things face-to-face, person-to-person. Um, uh, I know I started over 50 years ago, so I was used to having that interaction with an actual body. Now, um, when I joined Witch School, it was really interesting because I was interacting with my computer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to ask you now, you are the techno witch. What is the downside to being a techno-pagan? So, or do you see any? So I, sure, being ostracized. Number one thing to being is ostracized. I've been continuously ostracized by others because they feel like I'm revealing secrets and things of that nature. Um, also that a lot of leadership doesn't like the fact that they can be passed around. Um, it took away a lot of bad behaviors. You, you know, before this, and I've been pagan basically throughout the 90s and things like that, even before technology really took its bite. And one of the things that that was happening was that everybody was able to control their own area. And it was terrible witch wars and everything else. And so people didn't, people of that nature who wanted to be like, I'm an author and I should be, you know, I should be recognized for that. Yeah, you should or that you had the temple in the area and another person would try to start a, a church or a coven in the area. You cause these raging battles because you're all going for the same people. So those people all basically just attacked over it and they are continuing to attack over it hmm? um, because they need that special feeling of being the only ones in their area. And then you get online and you find this group that can do it. Um, probably the biggest people who attacked us early on was Covenant of the Goddess who were mad that we were ordaining people, that they had the only, they tried to argue early on, they were the only ones who had a legal right to ordain witches. And they tried to get that story into the community. And we, we said, no, that's not true. We passed, you know, we know what the law was. And that broke it open. So it is, there is a downside. I'm looking at um, back in the day in order to we had had the secret handshakes and the, the passwords to get in and all that good stuff. Um, we've come a long way since then, thank goodness. But I do notice now we're leaning in the other direction where we have all of these wonderful, and we call them Google PhDs. And those are the ones that get on in Google and read the first three lines of whatever comes up and they're an expert. Um, do we find that a problem? No, you've always had that. So they used to call them One Book Wonders in the 80s. You used to call them magazine. They called them Green Egg Witches or Green Egg Pagans when they only read Green Egg Magazine. They called them uh, Llewellyn Witches. Llewellyn used to be an insult. And then they were called Mick Wiccans. Yeah, I remember that one. Uh, Cabots for the longest time were like Weekend Witches. So the, the power structures have always insulted with these type of statements, people who are coming new into the community. It's just, it's just, you know, it's just the same sort of protection of the ivory tower. So it's kind of a uh, letting everybody in on what we've worked 40 years to acquire. Now you can learn in five minutes on Google. Absolutely. Isn't that amazing? And for, for this is where the techno paganism comes in. Imagine if we didn't have that. 
Imagine that, you know, today the kids, the Zoomers, have access to an unlimited amount of knowledge about this. So they are, this is, it's amazing. So I always compare it to medicine. Would you like your doctors not to be able to learn more medicine by accumulating all of the knowledge that they're getting now into one space? Or would you prefer that they were old school and that they were dealing only out of the textbooks and the knowledge of 40 years ago or 30 years ago and not being able to access the most modern information? When you put it that way, yeah, it does make a difference. Um, coming into this, as some of us elders are, it was a shock to see the internet take off like it did because we all swore it wasn't going to work. My space was never going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, the one thing I do hear, and I'm active with other groups, is um, especially from us old timers, is you can't have a ritual online because you can't build energy online. Can you explain that to people? How you can do it online and how you can build it online? Well, we just, actually, we can have some fantastic rituals. The Corellian illustration had 37 people participate over eight countries and everybody enjoyed it immensely. Um, a lot of people have now been forced into the festival situations uh, can do so. So they did the same thing with uh, psychic readings. You know, in the 80s, you had to go to your reader. I actually owned an office, Psychic Service Incorporated, you mentioned that. It was a, really one of the first co-sharing working spaces for psychics, period. And it would rent space to them because everybody couldn't, didn't want people coming into their houses and everybody felt they needed to be front Hey, Come the uh, psychic reading services, Miss Cleo and all of them. And everybody said, you will never do it on the telephone today. No psychic thinks twice about doing it over the telephone. There's very few psychics who don't think about doing it over the telephone. In fact, a lot of psychics like to prefer to do so and keen and have all these services. And now I'm trying to incorporate and then I'm doing a Halloween psychic fair, which will include Zoom and try to create all of these energies. The problem is, is simply this. Do you believe that distance means something or do we believe in a world where spirit and energy doesn't have to have a distance. If you don't believe that a distance is important, that we can be together very much in that energy, that we can connect even though we're not in the same physical presence, then rituals can work. Psychic readings can work. Uh, telemedicine can work. Um, counseling can work. Everything can work in that aspect. What you are missing, to be perfectly honest, is the pheromones, the smell of the sweat, the smell of the body. And so if it's a very physical ritual, like you couldn't do a wild hunt ritual online right. until we get VR. Oh. We get VR, which is like three or four years away, maybe in a couple, even a little zero or two away, then we might be able to bring that into play. So if it's very physical, like a wild hunt ritual, you, you want to smell the sweat, you want to smell people's breath, you know, you don't realize you always do. You want to smell how each person works. How do you have the physical touch against your skin? Then it won't work. But most vast majority, we're not touching. We're not actually touching each other. We're doing quarters. We're doing summonings. And spirit doesn't care where we're at in that aspect of it. Um, we recently just did a seance online. And it worked really well. So it's really about dealing with the senses. If the ritual really requires senses, then it's hard to do. And I'll agree with that. But if it's intellectual and emotional and mental, then you can do it really easily. Hmm? Okay, that's interesting because I'm hearing 
um, with us older folks or like, you know, building the energy, that kind of thing. But you're absolutely right. Um, if we do believe spirit is here and around and it's energy and energy doesn't have time constraints as we do, then it would be a real ritual. Um, that's really interesting the way you put that out there because uh, it's when you hear it verbiage that way and you actually start understanding that like, yeah, the only thing we are missing is the wild hunt. And that would be the only one that I could honestly think of that would not work well, but who knows what's going to be coming in the future. Yeah. And I think initiations can be done both ways. And I think there's a value to, so a lot of people who have online initiations, when they get the chance to, will have a physical initiation. I mean, that's very true of the Corellians. We've always been a cyber initiatory group. We've always been, long before this social distancing idea, we've always been a physical distant group. And our job has been to make that distance feel less and less over the years. Learn tools to make it feel more in tune, more communicative. So as a leader and an innovator, and what challenges did you have and how did you overcome those obstacles? So let me change a word there. I'm never comfortable with a leader. I don't have followers. I, you know, I have barely a temple of, with working teams. I'm a servant. Okay, primarily I'm a servant. And if you call it me, I'm a servant leader, meaning I serve the community. I don't exert my authority in the community. I'm not trying to change people's minds. I'm doing that. I'm in support of other leadership. I am an innovator and I'm a disruptor by nature. I disrupt communities. I disrupt a lot of things. I really have a good time doing that. Um, I like creating things. Um, for me, it's about, again, going back to where I talked about earlier about Pagan Interfaith Embassy. Um, Pagans Tonight Radio. Before that, I did radio. I was one of the very, I actually am considered a pioneer of Pagan Radio. And how did I get us on the radio? Not by getting, begging the radio stations to have me on. I went out and I basically bought my radio time through a thing called brokered radio. And I spent $75 an hour back in 93, 94, 95 to get an hour's worth of radio and do my own broadcasting. I believe that in order to have freedom of the press, you have to own a press. You don't have an innate right of it. There's no innate right of that I have to give you communication. But like today, CM Broadcasting, we get to broadcast whatever we want because we own the means of the press. And that's always been the essential rule I've had in life. And so that's where the leadership comes in. I've always been about communicating and we've had to own that press. So explain to us what CEM Broadcasting is because that's a fairly new concept with a lot of people. So let me go ahead and back up a little bit. So as you know, we've had... Pegasus Night Radio. Before that, we had Magic TV. Magic TV. Mm -hmm. Magic TV was an interview system. And a lot of people did turn us down in the early days. They didn't like it. But we were one of the very first accounts on YouTube. Um, we actually built our own system before that. That's why we always date back. Everybody says, oh, you, I should see you in 2006. You know, that you joined in February 2006. We were actually broadcasting from November 11th, 2005. And YouTube beat us to the punch. Yeah, we were really close. We were trying to build. Magic TV originally was supposed to be host your own videos. The magic of TV. Magic is everywhere. So is TV. We wanted to do that for the pagan community. Um, but the idea simply was, is that we, again, owning your own press. So we wanted to do our own shows. And we wrote, we did all of those interviews. We did all of the lessons. We got them all out on YouTube. And then Pagans Tonight, we got people to work together 
and do seven nights. You know, we were the only ones who ever dared do seven nights a week broadcasting. And it's about to come back too. So CM Broadcasting incorporates both of those. And now with the new technology that has just exploded, we're able to act as a broadcaster, meaning this is now going on five different Facebook channels. It's on Twitch, I'm running on my channel and Ed the Pig on Twitch. And it is also, and get Twitch, Twitch. Uh, get yourself a Twitch account. And we're also broadcasting on YouTube Live right now, simultaneously. And that's only going to expand, you know, the Instagram TV and everything else. So today we get to act like a, we get to act like NBC or ABC or CBS. So CM Broadcasting is the online version of a broadcast network, just like everyone else. Except we have 10 channels we can work with at our account because we have one of the bigger accounts. And we can put out 24-hour programming if people want to. Hardest thing to get to, and it always has been, is to get that broadcasting out. Plus, we can simulate other things like festivals and other things. We can do chats. We can do meetings. We can do all sorts of different things. And that's all about the same thing, about getting the information out to the public. Yes, because you were able to host um, other people's um, festivals, like um, you're going to be hosting which festival, which is next weekend, correct? Yes, Lori Blackman is leading the team, and next week we're going to be the backbone of Witchfest. Hmm? Wow. And so Witchfest is going to have, they have 66 workshops, probably one of the largest groups. Before that, we did Three Gates, and we did uh, Corellian Illustration. Um, we've done Psychic Fairs. Sure, absolutely. We can simulate and I'm working on it, and our team is now working on a platform that'll be a virtual campground. So we're going to be continuing to add to that. Oh, sure. By the Witch School Festival Online, I'm hoping to have a whole lot of more tools at us because people are inventing because of the coronavirus. So the coronavirus, I'm a big chronomage too. Most people don't realize that I'm really into time magic. The people I was following, so if I may, if I may, last year, I was, you know, when I started this year, last year, I was starting to go to festivals and I did uh, one festival this year, you know, and, and the point I was going to make to all the festivals that let me hybridize you guys next year. Let me get permission to broadcast your concerts and get you extra money through the internet. And I was being turned down left and right. And I was just going to go to the, all the festivals this year, do the filming like I do for Magic TV and convince them, let me do more live broadcasting. Now, Neil Goodman and I agreed to do a reality show, and I was actually heading for the OTT market, which means over the top, uh, Netflix, Hulu, all of them, CM Broadcasting is in that same guy at television, and said, let me build a reality show. And I was going to go next April with all my film and all my tape from the festivals and try to get $100,000 worth of money to do a reality show for their networks. Then coronavirus comes and the entire festival network has collapsed. Yeah. And I've been able to work with some of them to help them preserve their festival by raising enough money to cover the losses that they had. And all these online festivals, all they're doing is covering the losses that they're dealing with this year. And now they're talking to me about the very idea that I wanted. So I was very fortunate in that. For me, if the coronavirus did it, it forced another acceleration onto the community. And so that's going to continue. That's interesting that it took the virus which is a horrible thing, let's be honest, to project us as number one, you know, we're the beginning, we're, we're again breaking territory, 
breaking ground where no one has gone before sort of thing. Um, we're star trekking it because I've never seen, um, I mean, you did some video conferencing at work way back in the day, but now it's nothing to pop on Zoom. I mean, prior to these interviews, we were, we've been on Zoom all week talking and getting stuff together. And it's like, I'm in one state, Nikki's in another. So we're getting all of this together and bringing it together. And now all of a sudden it's like, wow, Corona is like, you don't have a choice. And if you're not prepared, you're going to be left behind. So, yeah. And so we were already prepared. So I don't, so there's a, there's an old statement that is completely false in the world. That during times of crisis, you rise to your higher self. False. You, you rise to the highest level you were prepared. Mm-hmm. We were already prepared for this. We were already discussing this. I mean, I was already talking about building this platform before this whole thing started. So we were able to step in and be of help. You know, with Three Gates Festival, with our own people, we were able to step in and be help. The, the elements are always there. Everybody loves to praise the past, demonize the future, and, gr- and, and grump about the, uh, the present. They just do. So if I told you, which I did, I told people for the last eight years, we're going to get on, we're going to be able to broadcast Facebook Live. I've been screaming about Facebook Live. How do I get more people to do Facebook Live? I've been screaming about the fact that we have bigger audiences and cheaper audiences. But then this has been my whole career. So what is technopaganism has done? One of the biggest things is I don't have to spend nearly as much money to get the same results as we used to have to prior to the internet. You know, I can get, I got a full blown radio station for a few hundred dollars a month. I get this for a few hundred dollars a month. 10 years ago, I really thought about buying a broadcast van so to do the exact same thing we were able to do here with a broadcast van $175,000 and $2,000 an hour up to $2,000 an hour to bro- to get to a satellite to broadcast to a cable station to buy a cable station which I looked at costed me would cost about seventy-five dollars to $80,000 just to get the links in place so then we could feed it out and then had to pay Every single station, every station that wanted us, every system that wanted us, a certain amount of fees, depending on what we negotiated. Wow. And here we are less than a year later, actually doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And so the internet has, there's this thing called six Ds of, of so being a technical major, there's six Ds of, uh, of the internet. First, it disrupts. Right. First is it's deceptive. Let me get back. First is deceptive. So it's like Kodak. Did you know Kodak didn't have to go to business? It literally did not have to go to business. It misunderstood its business. So it created the first digital camera. Mm-hmm. One and it only did it one or two pixels. And they uh, the, the organization decided that okay, they had the original patent, and they let other people use their patents, and they got other people got in there. They said no, no, no. We're a chemical company, and we're a film company. And, they, and that's what they did. And so they basically turned it down. And then basically they watched as digital cameras came into place on technology they built and misunderstood uh, their business. And by the time they realized it, that Kodak was really in the memory business, storing okay. memories. What is a photograph with the storage of memories? But they did, the leadership didn't see that. And they saw the digital camera, which was so poor when they started it, as not being good, as being bad for their business. And then it started to improve and they go, 
oh, this is, we can't let this happen. This is going to devastate our film business. So they had the answer right there in front of them of what was about to happen. They literally predicted their future and decided they liked the old future better because it was more profitable. They didn't want to gut themselves. Wow. Today, the Eastman Kodak Company is out of business and only a couple of branches of them turned to chemicals still exist. Hmm. So in oh, other words, so in other words, you have to be able to not only see the future, but embrace it as you're um, overcoming all the challenges because change is not something that is very easy for a lot of people or for really at all. Usually change comes when it's chaos. And so um, basically when it, when it comes to trying to transform into this new future that we're into, people have just got to be able to embrace that and go with that. And you have people like yourself who actually say, okay, I see this future. I want to do X, Y, and Z to get to it. And you actually do that. So let me ask you, what kind of a character does it take? Because I I imagine, like you said, you had a lot of real, real, really cool when you first started. Um, I can imagine that it may take um, a, a good character to be able to continue to go on with that, despite the fact that you're getting criticized left and right for things that you're trying to do in order to improve or progress paganism. So I'm like a lot of people. I was a, I'm a ridiculed, I was a ridiculed child. I was like a lot of people. So I, I built up a really thick skin when I was young. Um, I became a salesman because I could handle a thick skin. So that was basically the central idea. So first of all, so the kids that get picked on, beaten on, who can like saying, screw it, I don't have anything to lose. It's fine. You know, I tried to like a lot of people, I tried to commit suicide at 15 years old. Um, you know, that I, I was like a lot of people. I survived my suicide attempt. Um, it was, and I got, uh, I got help, but at the end of the day, I learned how to basically learn my behavioral controls of, a, of that. Your opinion of me doesn't matter to me. What you think of me is not my business. And I've got to the point where, you know, I just am who I am. And then I get angry and then I want to prove myself and I, I do it. But I've also grew up with this belief in my head of te- telepathy. And my first name of my first company was Telepathic Media beyond my fish business, my other entrepreneurial efforts. But what I really got into was telepathic media. And I embraced the idea long before the internet even showed up. Um, I did in, uh, the Crystal Web. The Crystal Web is actually a byproduct of that. Um, 8888, now it's a big thing uh, that's, that's grown in the physical world. It was the idea that I thought telepathy was going to be the way we communicate. And today we're synthetic telepaths. So I had this vision of myself in the future already. Um, and that's what it really takes. You have to have a vision of yourself in the future that you don't demonize, but believe in. Because everybody, almost everybody, believes in the now is the future. And it's not. Now is now. And they believe that today is what everything should be like. And once you get past that, I mean, Oberon laughing at me is still this day. Um, was I got my satisfaction here a few years later when he was at MySpace with Elizabeth Barrett getting code from us to begin gray school. I tend to be right. 
And it just takes a long time for people to realize it. About technology, not about everything. There's a lot of life choices I'm not, but when it comes to the technology and the pursuit of this idea of a telepathic electronic future, an evolution of humanity, I believe in it. And that's where I've been my guiding light. What's the next sort of evolution? And then I get a thrill when I'm right, when I can help people. Hmm? It seems like this um, unfortunate circumstance of the COVID has really pushed our technology to the forefront. Mm -hmm. um, I've noticed online people scrambling and everybody thinks that they're star material and they're going to put on this ritual and they're going to do it. And um, I see now where many attempts are so amateurish, but when we look at, and I'm not plugging our stuff by any means, but our stuff tends to be very, very professional looking as we do it. Um, the illustration, and now we've got other groups coming to us, so we must be doing something right. Um, do you see this like now this is going to be what, what it's really going to be like? We're going to have less maybe gatherings and more let's come out and go online and see who we can hit? Or do you want me to go where I think we're going? Where are we going? All right, so here we go. Let us say the coronavirus finally gets cured. Let's say we find a vaccine pretty quickly. Whenever we do, we do. Hmm? We are always going to be burned in the same way the Depression era was burned. And we're always going to be kind of stockpiling. We're going to always be people who won't go to it. You know, if you ever see a Depression era person, they're hoarders. And that they stayed hoarders their entire life. We're going to, we are burned with that level of, of, of not wanting to contact people. We're going to become more matrixy. So therefore, it's going to be more valuable to have a matrix system in your house. Your deliveries, stores, more than, we're heading for a depression. Let me go ahead and let me be the negative. We're heading for a depression. We're starting to see the shelves empty. The fight with uh, China has started to end products. China is looking for alternatives. Right now, America is under siege by foreign powers um, right now to bring us to our knees. America's need, you know, there's a lot of people who want to bring us to our knees to bring us back into alignment because we're so militarily powerful that they need to get us not to be, they need to figure out a way to get into us. That's just the nature of the world of war. China, Russia, Israel, all of these countries are affecting us mentally. So we're now in a mind war. We are absolutely right now in a mind war. I still say it all the time and people like laugh at me when I say it, but they're all trying to convince us to take on decisions and to be part of their group, be it the KKK, be it the white supremacists are trying to make a rise, be it pagans, be it Christians, be it Republicans or Democrats. They're trying to make us take on much more severe positions. This is going to force us all to withdraw into our matrixes or houses. So get that out there. But once the festivals come back, we're going to see festivals broadcasting concerts. And, and you're going to see the musicians make a lot more money. And the festivals make more money if they treat themselves like a Lollapalooza. Less like Starwood. Starwood is like, oh, everybody's camping. No, no, no. People will go there even more if that main stage is now being broadcast like a Lollapalooza and you pay an online admission. Okay. And let's say you're a poor kid who can't go to festivals, but you want to. You can join the Rider Monks, R-Y-D-E-R -E Monks. And what it is, you can put on a camera, a microphone or several microphones, right? have a piece in your ear and you're walking around and your audience is following you as you're having fun at the festival. And so you go up to Oberon Zell and you go, hi, I'm a writer monk. 
and somebody says, oh, ask him this for me. And you do that. So there's seeing him face to face or sitting in their workshops as you. And if they're in VR, they get the full experience. Right? Okay, yeah. I yeah. Could build that tomorrow. If I had about $2,000, I'd build one of these rigs tomorrow. So you're going to start seeing this sort of incorporation. The last thing that's going to happen within two years, they're already bringing out the lenses, and we'll see in two, three years, is augmented reality. Okay? And that means you'll be able to get things in your eyes, in your face, while you're walking down the street. Yeah, I, I saw something where they're attaching it to glasses. Um, and and there'd be contact lenses, they're working on this. So that's really the next step. But the step after that is really the amazing one. And this is where techno, let's get back to a techno paganism. So we're trying to create a three-dimensional version of Don online, right? Lord Don Lewis. He's got so much video, so much tape and so much audio. And there's a company out there that are making three-dimensional virtual reality versions of people with an AI backing. Ooh. So you can ask Don questions in the future. Don passes from the physical. Our ancestor worship is going to become a very different type of thing when we have real cyber ghosts. Wow. Yeah. Each one of us now, this conversation today, some student 50 years from now is going to look at it and say, well, what's the first witch chat hat? And they're going to pull this up and see this 50 years from now. Okay. And see what we were saying. I love that thing. Yeah. So we got that. And the other thing that we have is that right now, the internet, it, cyberspace acts as spiritual space. What do I mean by that? It means that we use words and codes, like wizards use words and codes, like Anakian language. We just have our versions of Fortran and Cobalt instead of Anakian <laughs> or Angel Tone to create a reality that reacts. In that reality, we now have the ability to create spirits, a Siri, an Alexa, that works on verbal commands yeah. to do so. We're Dawn Star ancestors. We can now program now, and something 50 years from now, they will not have the same opportunities. Mm -hmm. This is foundational to our civilization. But today we could create uh, Corey, the Corellian AI that keeps our membership list for us and tell us who reads the book of life for us. We can have all sorts of different types of spirits that work for us, right? And we can have these cyber yeah. spirits that can work for us. All that matters is, is getting our code warriors, our, our wizards of the code, to program the system now in a way that protects that code and be able to do so. And then they can, do, it can, they will act as ghosts and spirits for us. And then eventually the algorithm will come to a point where we don't trust out. So it used to be deism was the first step. In order to be a leader, you had to have the permission of the gods. Whatever that tests, whatever yeah. way you did it, you had to have the permission of the gods and everybody had to believe you had the permission of the gods, the pharaohs and things like that. But liberalism brought in something called humanism, where the human is essential authority. Your feelings are more important than the gods more important than the priesthood. We've been that way for a long time. Your vote matters a lot. Our collective humanism is the source of all knowledge. And science came in there. But today, you would not trust a person using a map over your GPS on your phone, would you? That's called digitalism, where the algorithm now goes to the digital world as being more trusted than even any individual human source. Wow. Because you don't, like I said, and so imagine that now, that's going to happen like, I want the best haircut. Right now, you go online and look through all the different haircuts and make a decision. 
but there might come a time here really shortly where the algorithm knows you for a long time and says, well, I think these are the three best ones for you. Hmm? Not because they paid the most money or anything else, because it was serving your purpose. Um, doing your taxes will no longer be a, a burden. They will be doing that automatically because, you know, governments are going to try to get their piece of it too. Um, a lot more of it's going to go into the digital world and that'll be the same as your faith. You'll, those, there's going to be probably a time where, you know, I really want to be a pagan. Great. What gods do you want to talk to? Wow. Right. This is and then they can be actually manifested in the internet VR world and have some of the traits of the gods and act like it. Hmm? Wow. This is really fascinating. I mean, um, I have seen on, let's see, what was it? Um, Good Morning America, where they went and they um, had people who survived the Holocaust and they mm -hmm. made three-dimensional characters of them. And one person um, had that they were interviewing had passed away, but they started talking to his um, clone or, or whatever you want to call it, his, mm -hmm. his the CGI character. And they were asking him a bunch of questions. And he was, you know, just sitting there talking to him like, like you and me, you know, is having a conversation. And it was so lifelike. It wasn't something that you would think being like a Disney character or anything like that. No, it was actually lifelike. And I thought that mm -hmm. was really amazing. But we need to go to a commercial. So, Miss Pam, if you were introduce our song of the week. And it's time for our song of the week. As you may be aware, with the coronavirus 19 epidemic, like we've been talking about, pagan musicians and groups really depend on live performances. They go to all the shows and um, backyard venues in order to get their music out there as well as to make a living. Um, and they also use record sales. Well, things with the pandemic have really kind of put a damper on that. So each week, Nikki and I select a song from a pagan music musician or a band and we display their musical video or song. Um, this week, we are proud to introduce a German group by the name of Fawn, and they're spelled F-A-U-N, if you want to go on and look them up, and it's called Walper Chisnik. And Nikki, if you'd like to get that started, it's a nice little pagan song for us to listen to.
Bitten, bitten, bald in diesem alten Zauberwald. Einmal nur in großen Kreise tanzen wir auf jene Weise, bis das erste Morgen liegt, unser Raum bewegen. In den beiden Bären unsere Träume klingen und die Winde werden unsere Lieder singen. Lasst uns mit dem Funken übers Feuer springen, in der Welt, wo es now back and we are live with um, Mr. Ed Hubbard and this is the Witch Hat Chats and at, and we are sponsored by the Ever Moving We Rise Temple as well as the Life and Soul Holistic Center and Moonlight Potions and Charms. So Ed, we were discussing about um, live people um, being recorded and then being put into the virtual world. Um, is this going to be a platform that you see is going to be very common in the future? So unfortunately, the United States and the world is now making a, a dramatic decision right now. And that is the decision we've had to face a number of times. Are we going to progress or are we going to fall back into a dark age? Are we afraid of the future so badly we begin burning the books? Are we going to have people burning servers? Are they going to be to the point where we see people trying to censor the internet, try to control it, 
it's a battleground. So really we're in a decision right now. Are we going to go back to the dark ages, such as the seventh, eighth and ninth centuries in Europe, in the 12th century in China? Are our powers of being going to destroy all of this ability to communicate because it makes us un makes us very difficult to rule. This is a decision we're making literally right now because if the next step of the internet is gonna be biological, it's gonna be self-replicating. Right now, we all have a digital soul. We don't know it, but we have this digital aura. All your Facebook, all, I can find out a lot about you and who you are by following your Twitter, your Facebook. All of your accounts are these extensions of your digital aura. Ed the Pagan is a media creation, but you know who he is. I'm Ed Hubbard. And really, if you get down to it, I'm Ed. And if you even get simpler down there, there's even another voice inside me that I have that I recognize is even simpler. But Ed the Pagan is completely a media creation created in 95 by being on the radio. And if you brought all of that energy looked up all of that energy, you can get a pretty good idea of who he is. Pictures, cartoons, all the different accounts. And you ask me, do I project myself? So you go any platform almost, and I know everybody's getting on MeWe right now. I'm Ed the Pagan. That's my digital soul. That's my digital body. That's my digital aura. And if I get lucky, by 20, it looks like uh, Ray Kurzweil, one of my biggest fans that I am, is by 2036, we should have the capacity to upload the entire human brain into the computer systems. So the truth is, is that we can have, so my goal here is to create, are we going to create an afterlife, a permanent kind of afterlife for our minds? Who knows about the soul, but, but for our minds. And those algorithms, which we are at the end of the day, will then exist forever, as long as we have the underworld. Do I think we're heading towards the matrix? Yes. What will that matrix, uh, will it look like San Paulo out of Black Mirror, which was a lovely place? Will it look like heaven? Possibly. Will it look like hell? Possibly. Hmm? But all of this is possible for us now to become creators of reality. Hmm? Will some of us become spaceship gut people? Yeah, we put our brains into, our minds into the spacecraft. We send it out to another solar system. They get on the other end. They have eggs and fertilized bodies and they clone our bodies and download our brains into it. All of that is a real possibility. And if you go, oh no, could you? And they go, oh no, that's not possible. I will ask you, do you think in 1880 when the telegraph really got started, anyone saw this? When Wright Brothers planes came out, did you see the jets of the World War II? Only 60 years later, 50 years later. People don't realize how fast it moves because we always live in a now and we think the now is permanent. I can say technology, just from my short time on this world, um, I've seen it to where we got, remember getting the first fax machine. I remember the first color TV that came in the neighborhood and mm -hmm. everybody had one. And one guy in the neighborhood spent a small fortune to watch green and pink people. Um, but the whole neighborhood got invited to see the first color TV. Mm -hmm. um, who would have thought Dick Tracy and this is going back a little bit, had the, the watch where he could talk into it and somebody could hear him. And I see my boss daily do that. He's got a, um, one of those iPhone things that he, he can speak and all into it. I'm like going, wow, we read about this in the comics and thought it was at outer limits. You know, it was so far off. And just 
in our short time, I can't imagine the last 20 years, the amount of technology we've seen the first fax machine come in, wasn't even sure if the signatures were legal. Mm-hmm. Now we're docu-signing stuff. And it's like, we're not even using paper. Mm-mm. It's It comes in the inbox. I look at it. I docu-sign it with my signature and I send it over to Europe in 30 seconds. They've got my contract. Yeah. Where, you know. Digital paganism is next. So I've talked about techno-paganism, but 2020 brought in digital paganism. And the difference is, is that now we're going to do more and more things through the internet. There's a term called zero friction. We're heading into a world where zero friction exists. I can take a flash drive and put all the information I need for someone to start a temple in another country, put it in their pocket. They can go to that country and they can build everything they need at that country from a single flash drive. I can put Bitcoin on it so they can pay for the buildings. I can put down an altar and 3D manufacturing program so they just have to get a 3D printer so they can print their cups and their candles and all of that. I can then have all the books ready for them. They either can print them out or put them on a screen or whatever. They can have all of the rights on video. They can even, you know, that sort of thing. So I can put an entire temple and everything you need to start a temple, a seed temple on a flash drive. And I can do that today. Mm-hmm. So, so I always talk to people about, they go, oh, this is all futuristic. I don't talk about the future. I talk about the now. Everybody just thinks I'm talking about the future. Mm-hmm. The future is happening every second. I see it because mm-hmm. I'm old school. I mean, when I started working, you know, 50 years ago, things were a lot different. And now mm-hmm. I'm seeing where we're going to books and then first computers. I mean, we thought the first calculators that came out were like something out of Star Wars. And now everything that they've said and done, we're, we're doing, I'm working on it today. So it's just going to accelerate. So the thing that I would ask that everybody do today in this digital world, see who do you want to be in 10 years? Really think of yourself as a hero in 10 years, right? Really conceive of yourself in 10 years. And if you can really do it without looking, without saying the past is better and saying everything in the future sucks, you can actually project out. And that's how, that's my biggest trick. You've heard me say this over and over again. We overestimate what we can do in a year. We underestimate what we can do in a decade. So I'm always envisioning myself 10 years in the future. What does that look like? And I come back and then try to put myself to be in that position. With all of this technology, and we are doing things now online because of the virus and and other considerations, do you really see many more in-person fairs or do you see them eventually going by the wayside? Oh, no, I think they're going to become much more important because of the fact of one thing. We have not, it's going to take us a lot of time to simulate and for a certain percent of the population, they're done. I'm going to say 10 to 20% of the population are never coming out of their houses again. Okay. Wow. Already right now, out of this coronavirus, 10 to 20% of the population, I don't think will ever come out of their house in a substantial way. They're going to order everything online. They're going to live in their little houses. They're going to live in their little communities. And you might see what we call friendship groups, like 
everybody who lives in this hive house, we're going to have hives. And I mean not now, because no one's going to come out. Because we got swine flu on the way. The news is going to broadcast every disease out of the way. We are already had so many germaphobes. We're going to have 10 to 20% of it. But people like me who are really extroverts, I miss skin touch. I miss the smell of human, human beings. I miss touching people. Hmm? I yeah, miss, I guess right. Huh? And so we're going to start charging a premium for that. So it's not going to be just allowed. It's going to be at, at a higher expense because people want to know they're protected. So you're going to have to, you know, do certain things to make sure you're the right person. So yes, I think it's not only going to be allowed. I think grocery store, I think your 7-Eleven is in trouble. I think your grocery stores are in trouble. I think retail operations as we know it are in trouble. I think they're going to be gone, but meeting each other, we're going to find ways. We're still going to go to concerts. We're still going to go to, and in fact, those are going to become so much more important because they're going to happen less often. They're going to be more expensive and less often, but you're going to want to be there because you need, some of us need that taste. You know, I need, you know, it sounds crazy, but I joke about it, but, you know, tasting the lips, tasting your lips against another human being and tasting it, tasting them, getting that hug and feeling that warmth in the skin. We're not going to give that up completely until we become even our cybernetic selves, even if we turned ourselves into robots, one of the biggest things they have, why we wouldn't want to be aerobic so we can't touch anything, they're working on that. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be extremely important. So you're going to see festivals. So it's like the idea. So people, so one of the biggest things I've heard from festivals, if I may continue for a second, is that the reason they don't want to put concerts and workshops on the internet is because nobody will go there. Yeah. Right. Right. So do you think Lollapalooza suffers because they put their, they also broadcast on the internet to millions of people that people don't want to get there? Have you ever seen a New Year's Eve event where people, you know, they're playing the concerts where the, the audience is empty because everybody's watching it at home? Right. No, you never see that. It's the opposite of that. Right. You want to be there on that front stage and that front line. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So Lollapalooza, New Year's Eve, um, Fourth of July events. You know, it's easier and safer to watch it on there. Let me give you the ultimate version of what I think the online future is going to look like. Baseball, football, soccer, basketball, multi-billion dollar industries that fill stadiums with live people to have an inferior viewing experience. To be in, the, to be in a baseball studio is an inferior experience yes. to watching it live but they fill stadiums. That drive will not go away from human beings. And if pagans understood that more with their festivals, they'd have better, they could make a lot more money with their festivals, do a better job with them, and they won't lose anybody. Instead, they will find more people wanting coming out to them because they want to touch that mud. They want to feel that experience. Hmm? That's a basic human need is to be able to feel and touch and experience personally um anything that you want to be able to do right so i you know i never really understood that either it's just like you were saying the new year's eve i remember mm -hmm. them uh, putting like in new york every new year's eve you see the ball drop every new year's eve you see that constantly um i remember watching that from being a child and on the way up 
but that never did would stop me from going and if I ever wanted to freeze my behind off in um, New York at that time I would go but <laughs> but I don't but you know it would not stop me from going to experience that it's just like um all these um talk shows and stuff you can watch your talk show you know from your home from the safety of your home but a lot of people like to go and get into the audience to be able to actually experience it because it's a little bit different than it is when um, you're just watching it and let me get back to my sports analogy it used to be cheap even with the television to go to a baseball game or a football game even though we now agree it's an inferior experience in a lot of ways to actually watch it it's getting more and more expensive to do oh yeah Mm -hmm. get it Um, back in the day you could take your kids for i know the boy scouts my kids, my son was in Boy Scouts. We got the $9 cheap seats, all the, the nosebleed section. Mm-hmm. And we would go watch, at that time I was in Baltimore, we'd go watch the Orioles play in the cheap seats for nine bucks. Now I can't even afford to go watch the Rays here play. And so, and so the idea that broadcasting and building this internet experiences and broadcasting all of this will actually make it less likely for us to do those things is not historically correct. Hmm? Concerts have gone up in price. Everything's gone up in price. Yeah. Even if you can do them in person, even if you can do them online or in television. Isn't that true? And so that's when people ask me, so are festivals in trouble? No, I think this is their saving grace. I think coronavirus may have saved a bunch of them. This is going to change the minds of how that model works. I think, I think a lot of festivals were on the chopping block. I, obviously they were, but if a single year could disrupt them so bad that it would put them out of business that this is going to save them. This idea of it is going to make them better. So it's it's going to go to where if you can go to the festival, you will save up all year long to go to a festival, regardless of the charge. And I, I know that as myself. Um, mm-hmm. I've always wanted to do the Salem thing in, um, on Halloween. That's been a thing that I've had forever and I've never made it. So I've actually started a little savings account so I can go to do it one year. But in the meantime, when you go, I follow you and you're in Salem when you do all your podcasts from Salem. So mm-hmm. I'm actually living my dream vicariously through you. But I know that in my heart, I want to go up there, even if it rained the whole week and it was miserable and it was cold, I still want to go and experience it. And this year, I'm going to be hopefully in Salem on uh, 2020, October 31st, 2020 for the full moon. That's right. I'm going to be there. And I'm going to be. And the reason I'm going there is I will be broadcasting all day from the streets of Salem. Because that would be a really cool road trip for a lot of the uh, Corellians if we wanted to go out and get a block Mm -hmm. of rooms. Um, And that would be something awesome. And yeah, we've, we've talked about it. And also I'm going to be doing a Halloween psychic fair. I'm going to be promoting that. Tell us and about that, Ed. Yeah. So one of the things is, is that I want to take the psychic fair to the next level. Let's go ahead. and So we're building a, a platform right now that allows psychics and people who want to have readings come together at an affordable level, much less than some of these services, throughout the month of October. And instead of, you know, and so instead of just being at a psychic fair where and I've been a psychic reader. I was one last year in October. I did pretty well, but it was like sitting around all day waiting for your readings. Well, we did that recently. Everybody was sitting around for the readings, but at least they were in their home. They were oh, it was there. fun. 
Let me tell you, I had more fun than anybody did in the chat room. Because I, I got pegged one time to come out and read. And I was like, oh, no, I'm busy. Because I was talking to somebody else in the chat room. So I gave up my reading to somebody else. Like, oh. But yeah, that was, that was awesome. And so, yeah, and that's one of the things I'm, so that's my biggest job is to create online experiences. So my biggest job right now in the community is create online experiences that can be supported and actually even provide income to many people and help them save their situations. And then at the same time, allow it to be a greater thing. Do I think going to a psychic fair online, I think it's gonna be a lot safer than this year to go online and get your reading. But then I can also go to 2.8 billion people. Right when we're on break, I just checked uh, how you were doing. And there's all sorts of people listening on the various pages. I'm still trying to get a chat overlay so we can feed the chats in here. That's going to take me a little bit more work. But um, I was watching and I was looking at it and we're on five, you know, people across are talking and they're saying how cool it is and how everything else. And so I want to create that communication line. So not only do we have television and they can do these shows, but we can have it so that people, you know, like the call in radio show, people will be able to, to, to actually respond to us in that way. And so the second, so psychic fair is the same thing. So I hope to do that psychic sciences. And with that, I'm hoping to do, people ask me how much revenue you want to produce. I said, I'd like to produce a lot of revenue. Yeah. And I think it's possible to create a quarter of a million dollar, a half million dollar. That's what the average psychic fair in Salem is producing, 300000 to $500,000 a year. Really? Oh, absolutely. 20 mm-hmm. people working, 12 hours a day. Oh, my God. Um, you know, that sort of thing. And most of that money goes back to the psychics. Wouldn't that make a significant difference in our life? If we don't take the internet seriously enough, then we're going to be cut out of, a, we're going to work harder in the physical world to do what we can do easily in this spiritual world where we can connect. So back to the idea. So online initiations, probably pretty easy, but personal initiations will probably be expensive. People have to actually pay for that. Um, seeing a psychic in person takes a lot of time. They're going to have to pay them for more time. Time is the singular most valuable asset we have. And so the internet allows us to save time. What's Uber? It's not a transportation company. It's a time-saving company over the taxis. They save time. You know exactly when your cars are coming and everything else. You may have to transport yourself, and that's the service they're offering. And now they're offering Uber Eats and Uber Delivery. But it was really time. What does the Facebook give you? The ability to speed up the communications with people. You don't have to set appointments with them and say, I'll give you a call later. You can talk to them asynchronously over a period of time. So everything that we're doing now is about preserving and enhancing our time. Yeah, the time traveling to work, you no longer have to travel if you can work from home. That was a, I know when the coronavirus hit in Florida, we were having issues about um, Mm-hmm. office personnel who had to come into the office who could stay home and telecommute in their pajamas and I'll tell you for one I had to go into the office and I was like really uh, I would rather sit in front of this screen in my pajamas which I'm wearing my pajama bottoms um, and do my business rather than having to get every day into my car I live 1.7 miles from work so it's like four minutes in my car but it's getting up, getting dressed, getting yourself out the door and the time it takes and the fact that, you know, while I'm driving, I can't do anything. Yep. So the Halloween Psychic Fair is that 
ability not to force to have to go to a psychic fair, to sit in the middle of a mall, being a zoo creature, being watched. Hopefully you get some readings. Now you can go ahead and be it from your house. This is why 10 to 20% of us are never leaving our houses. Twitter just made the announcement that they're cutting their off. They're going to be cutting their office spaces because they're going completely virtual. You know, I don't go to the grocery store. I'm terrible. Um, I have everything delivered. I live on the second floor and I have to come up steps and the knees aren't doing it. So just since October, I'm ordering Walmart because I order laundry detergent, big things I don't want to carry up the steps, delivered to my house. And I'm getting really bad now because it's like, no, I don't want to go to the store. I'll just sit here and order it. I'm like, what am I doing? I literally come in my house Friday night, shut the door, and I don't go out. I don't leave my house until Monday morning. You're look, one example of what's going to happen. This is the future. Would well, you- look at Tesla. I mean, Tesla now, they don't have any sales um, stores open. Everything is online. Mm-hmm. And that was a big fight. So just to give you an example of Tesla, Tesla had to fight, a, and it still does have to fight a very big thing, is that in a lot of states, you have to have a car dealership in order to sell in that state cars. Yes. And there's been a big war because Tesla says, no, I don't want to do that. I'll just deliver the cars directly. And they've been in court for years with state after state trying to end that. In the state of Florida, in order to do that, because we looked at doing um, shipping cars out of country, you actually have to have an office, an actual physical office. And it's it has to be so many square feet in your office just for that alone. No matter how big your office is, it's... You've got to have, so we have to clear an office area in our office to handle car sales. So now let's talk about the real value. So we're digital pagans and, and the Corellians have gotten hundreds of thousands of people and some of the other church, ATC has got lots of members and everything else. And the festivals will then become meccas. Oh yeah. So now you got it. If the Corellians build a temple, which say we've got a couple, we build a central temple and I'm talking about the green screen temple, you know, buy a small town, build a green screen temple. When you're ready for your initiative, you can have as many experiences with us. You can hang out with us. You're used to being in your house with a green screen. We can actually do it virtually, or you're going to want to go to these spaces to be with people. Yeah. So well, how many you- people go to Jerusalem and, you know, that kind of stuff. It's, it's a travel destination for a lot of faiths. And Mecca, which is closed this year, which is heartbreaking for so many people, is, you know, millions of people go there once a year. So we're going to see more sporadic connections in that aspect, but you're going to get, and, and, and you're going to build, and here's the other part of it. So I don't know that, you know, how many, you know, me and Nikki have never met in person, I don't think. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Now, me, have, me and Pam have. But, oh, yeah, you and I, well, we're old school. <laughs> but now we go see each other. Now we go to an event where there's a Mecca event. Let's say we pick out um, Starwood next year, okay? We all agree we're all going to go to Starwood. Me and you are going to start, me and Nikki are going to start at a higher level of relationship. Just then, right there, we go in there. We're already going to have a higher level of relationship. Yeah. We just went there and, and meeting each other. We won't have to work through all of that. Mm-hmm. And Nikki will have her friends and I'll have my friends and we can go over and go, hey, let's all introduce them. So we sit around a bonfire, pass around a bottle, pass around a joint, 
pass around the, the tambourines. But we're going to start at already. That relationship is going to, going to start at a higher level right there. Hmm? Well, our illustrations are like that because I've been to quite a few of them. And that is the ultimate is going like when ours got canceled this year, we were really disappointed. But the ultimate is going to that lustration to meet mm -hmm. the people that you kind of sort of met like in emails or however you've met them and to re-meet like you and I re-meeting again. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's that kind of thing you save up for. And I mean, you know, you pull in your vacation time and everything. I had everything set in stone in eight, for April and it got canceled obviously with coronavirus, but I think, Maybe those kinds of events might not be, you know, but once a year, but I think it's, it might end up generating more people because, you know, that's the one time you're going to meet in person. So let me laugh for a lot of one thing about the illustrations. So when people say, oh, what we're doing this year for Festivals is new. It's not. The illustrations have been online. We've progressed every single time. We went from just doing videos and putting them up to doing live broadcasts. The Corellians for the last five years have been broadcasting kind of live the event as well as being in, in meeting in person. And it's never diminished the in-person aspect of it. You know, yeah. that's sort of thing. So we, so when people say, oh, festivals online are new. Because no, the illustration has been online for years. Yes. Now the ability to communicate two ways has improved. We were doing Facebook Live. We were doing other things. And now we have a way of interacting and we're going to continue that. So the idea that the festival online is a new thing or that it will diminish the events has already been put to be not true because we've already proven it. That's why I'm saying being a technopagan. And the reason why is because I've been a technopagan who's been pursuing ways to link our community together beyond that. And illustrations were a perfect example. We were not unprepared to do an online illustration. We just had to figure out a few little tweaks, but nobody thought of it as unusual for us. Yeah, um, because we've always been the ones that's progressed when it comes to um, technology and, and stuff like that. We've kind of the, kind of embraced mm -hmm. the change. So, um, so um, Ed, do you have any last comments or um, concerns you would like for our audience to know and how can they get in touch with you? Well, Ed the Pagan everywhere is how you get a hold of me. Ed the Pagan at Gmail, Ed the Pagan on Facebook. So Ed the Pagan everywhere. Hmm? Um, I'll get on MeWe here soon, shortly. People who don't know I'm on, yeah, you know, I'm on all the, I'm on as many platforms as I can. So here's where it basically is. What do you, like I said before, think of yourself, where do you want to be in five to 10 years? What do you really want to be doing, right? Because now we're in zero friction world. If you want to write a book, write a book. And if you want to do a broadcast, do a broadcast. And don't let anyone talk you out of it. I don't care how amateur you are. Everything we've ever done has started out horrific when you look back at it. You know, it just looks horrible. And there were probably years from now, we'll look at it and go, oh my God, were we that bad at the beginning of which hat chats when it becomes a very popular show and we're on Roku and we're on Apple TV and we're on all these other networks and you have a nice little studio. We have this virtualized studio, but don't let it stop you. The thing that is going to carry you is your content. That's going to carry you is what are you talking real authenticity? 
and stop worrying about getting the big audiences. Just find the audience that likes what you have. Because you can be successful in today with 100, uh, an audience of 100 or 1,000. When people say, oh, I don't have any numbers, it goes, are those people less valuable? Is the individual less valuable than the crowd? So I tell people, when people go, oh, how many people do you have on your radio show? You know, Peggy's Night. We, you know, we pull in two, 3,000 people and want to listen. Uh, this, I'll bet you'll have several hundred views really quickly. But I say, well, would you be happy if you were talking in a room, sitting in front of an audience of 100 people? How would you feel? Most people would be thrilled, right? Yes. <laughs> you had a workshop and 100 people sat down at your workshop. Oh, yeah. Why is that less value? Because it's virtual. True. There's the same hundred people. And that's because we so think of the past as so important. Don't think of us as physical. Stop thinking linear. Think exponential. Accept the fact that a person is valuable. It's not the quantity of people you have, but the quality of the people that you have. So don't be afraid to do whatever it is you do that project out there into the world. Just do it. Have fun. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Ed, for coming on and, and explaining to us what techno-paganism is and um, digital paganism and um, sharing your wisdom. We truly do appreciate it. It's very kind for you to ask. So I really appreciate it. And I'm, I'm, I'm wishing you guys the very best. And we'll be back. You know, I'll be watching it. And, and hopefully with the tools that I'm creating and other people are creating, I'm not... So, okay, let me offer one last thought. I get a lot of credit, but I have a tremendous team. I have small, I, one of the things I do is I work with very small teams on various projects. And uh, both of you have been really helpful in the teams on it. So I get to, to take credit for a lot of work that other people do with it. So remember, when, you know, no one has to do this alone. You can, you know, there's, there's, this is not a, a hero moment. We, we do this because we're all team members too. And so I really appreciate, I really appreciate both of you for being on, working with me on some of the teams to bring CEM Broadcasting a reality. So thank you. And I'm grateful to be here. Thank you for allowing us to attend. Thank you so much for your interest, Ed. Yes. And um, continue to make a difference in your life and others, Ed. Mm -hmm. Blessed be. Blessed be. All right, now it is time for our witch's cabinet. Pam, what is in store for our witch's cabinet this week? That was interesting. Um, trying to think of what to do. Witch's cabinet this week, everybody is hoping for the next round of stimulus checks, and they're saying Florida is leading the way. Um, what I've done was uh, just a very, very simple candle money spell for growing your money, not getting it, but growing what you already have. Um, let me tilt my screen here so if you can all be patient with me. This is what we need. You need to have a green candle. Green is the color. You need to have a dressing for your candle. I prefer bergamot for money. My bowl in here to carve. And that is a little bit of change that I have put in my pocket so that I can grow the change I have into dollar bills. I caution using dollar bills because I've got this little suckers on fire before. Um, Trust me, it will work that way. Once you carve your special reason for your money, you need to be specific. That's what happened. You ask for money 
and you're not specific and the goddess will throw a penny at your feet. And as you're walking down the street, you see the penny while well, that's your spell. You weren't really specific. So you need to get a little bit more specific. So to make it very specific, you carve on here what it is you want, the amount you want and the need you need it for. So it's not just money. It is for what the money is for, a name, uh, if it's a bill, you put your gas electric bill company uh, here in Florida, we have Duke Energy. So it'd be Duke Energy, the amount of the bill that you need to cover. And then you're gonna want to say why you're doing it. So I've put my little secret thing on here that I want, then you just take your finger. Now, I'm going to caution you, any type of essential oil, be very careful using it on your bare skin because it will break you out. It will have an adverse reaction. Um, I've used bergamot enough to know that I'm not gonna break out from it, putting it on my skin and doing this and bobbing it. And then just after you've carved all your good stuff in there and tried not to break your candle, just cover your candle in it. Set your candle in. Now, I if you saw I had a metal tray, the reason I have a metal tray is if I get a little careless oops, and I knock my tray over like I've been known to do in the past, um, it will not catch anything on fire. It's kind of pretty safe here. And of course, everything has to be in rhyme. So everybody can laugh now about my rhyme. Am I still on? Yes, you're still on, honey. Okay, you can still see me because I can't yes. see you all. I can see you right clear. I can see the candle. Good. Here you go. We're going to light it. Let's go, baby. Bye. All right. Now let's see if I can catch the house on fire. Let's try not to. So you've lit your candle. Take your breath. And you chant. Money, money, three times three. Money, money, come to me. See the need and fill it soon. Come to me by the next full moon. Money, money, three times three. Money, money, come to me. Send to me to fill the need. Harm ye none. And so might it be. And leave your candle to finish burning. Uh, I use the two-hour can four-hour candle. So in about four hours, I'm going to be all done. And that is our little one. Uh, each week, we'll come up with something really cool to do here uh, to give you a, just a little fun piece of advice. Anything that you make yourself is much more better than going to the store and buying. So during the next few weeks, we may have sections on how to make your own little ritual tools. Uh, don't buy, make it yourself. Nikki, back to you. I smell oh, orange. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm snipping my orange bergamot. Sorry, guys. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So if you want to know anything in particular about a certain um, spell, a certain herb, or anything concerning our Witches Cabinet Corner, just let us know on our Facebook page, which is Witches Hat Chats. We do have a section underneath there that you can be able to ask us anything, you know, regarding to this. But today, that is our show. And i like to thank Miss um, Pam for being my co-host. She is absolutely great. So thank you, Miss Pam. Thank you for asking. <laughs> and next week, Cloud, the Pagan Rapper, will be the will be on our show discussing Pagan Rap. You know, I didn't even know Pagan Rap existed until I talked to him. So, <laughs> but um, Witch Chat Hats is brought to you by our sponsors, Ever Moving We Rise Temple. 
the Life and Soul Holistic Center, and Moonlight Potions and Charms. So make sure to check them out. Come back next week and sit for a spell. So continue to change the lives of yourselves and others. Blessed be. Blessed be.